one more announcement that uh, didn't wasn't able to make it into the to the audio announcements starting November 10, Tuesday, November 10. We will be having we'll be beginning our uh, small group Bible studies here. <coughs> so for those of you who'd like to be a part of small group Bible studies during the week, we'll be starting them November 10, Tuesday, right here. So we were going to start them in a home, but <coughs> there, there's extra um, challenges due to the, the corona that we're going through. So we'll be starting them here, right in the sanctuary. And so there'll be plenty of space for lots of people, as well as if people want to you know, have more distance, they can do that uh, in the sanctuary here. So it'll be Tuesday, November 10. We'll be beginning with a seminar that I call Christ in Me. Uh, for those who are uh, Seventh-day Adventists and who are aware of the sanctuary, it'll be kind of going through that. But what it basically breaks down to is learning how to apply the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection in your life every day. And so it will be a seminar where we can be encouraged and inspired, but truly uh, you'll be needing to put on your seatbelt and bring your Bible because you'll be challenged to be growing in Jesus. If there's one thing that we need more of in this world, that is human beings in and out of church that are more in Christ. And so that's what we'll be doing on Tuesday night starting November 10. So hopefully you can join us for that. If you have little ones, we will uh, have some babysitting available as well. Uh, so uh, hope you can join us for that. We'll continue to have more advertising. You can uh, talk to me about that, ask any questions you like as well. That being said, why don't we uh, begin with a word of prayer and uh, start our sermon today. Oh, uh, well, I didn't say the time on purpose, but <laughs> um, <coughs> probably uh, 6 o'clock Tuesday night, <coughs> uh, starting at 6 o'clock. And for the first hour, uh, for those who, uh, who are comfortable, we'll do 6 to 7 for food and for fellowship and just kind of mingling together because uh, it, it's, it's very important that people grow close to each other. And then the second hour from 7 to 8, then we'll be getting into the Bible and growing close to God. So those who want to grow close to each other, 6 to 7, please everybody. And then after that, 7 to 8, then we'll be doing the, the Bible study. So bring yourself, and by all means, bring a Bible. Um, all right, so let's have a prayer. <coughs> Father in heaven, we pause one more time uh, to pray, asking that you would continue to guide us. Uh, I know I'm a little distracted right now, and it's just so easy for human beings to be distracted with good things and bad things and things that are late and things that are coming ahead and uh, just so many things. And we ask that you would quiet our minds for the next few minutes that we could hear you, that you could speak to us and we would appreciate what we hear from you and that we would continue to allow you to be a bigger and better part of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture reading today is in the book of Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 26. If you want to turn with me there in your Bible or smartphone. <coughs> Acts, chapter 26, verse 9 and 10. <coughs> I'll give you a little background as you're turning there. And uh, we're, we're currently going through a series on abuse. And uh, today, 
since election is coming up, presidential elections are coming up November 3rd, I thought what a better time than to talk about politics and uh, we'll just make it a real light topic today. We'll talk about religion and politics, just something real light and casual. And, uh, but on a serious note, in Acts chapter 26, to give you an overview of the chapter there, <laughs> this is Paul, <coughs> the Apostle Paul has been sharing Jesus with great clarity and conviction. And when you typically share Jesus' uh, death and resurrection with great clarity and conviction, usually it gets people off the fence pretty quickly. They either start loving Jesus and getting rid of the nonsense, or they're they start causing nonsense because they're not really that into Jesus. Uh, and so usually those things happen quite quickly as you get more crystal clear about Christ and his death and resurrection. And so as Paul he's, uh, was doing this, um, the remnant church, oddly enough, didn't like hearing about God and the cross, interestingly enough. And so as Paul was doing this more and more, it caused quite a division to the point that they wanted to kill him put him in jail, and then ultimately kill him. How strange of a concept is that? And so anyway, as he's now uh, in handcuffs, and my wife and I had the privilege in September of being in, in Israel, and we were literally in the room. We, could, we were on the floor. We could, the part of the walls were still there. We were in the room where this conversation took place where the Apostle Paul is in the room with, with the leaders of the area, the political leaders, the religious leaders, and the military leaders. He was in the room with these people, King Agrippa and Festus and all these leaders. And the religious people wanted to put him in jail and kill him because he's helping people get the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so Paul, being a dual citizen, he appealed to go to Rome to the Caesar. But before they send him off, they thought, well, it's only makes sense before we want to condemn someone to die. <laughs> you might actually want to, you know, uh, say what they're being condemned to die for. So, so the local leader said, well, this also be a fun time to kind of, I mean, everybody's hearing about this Paul person. I mean, some people are so excited about Paul, they're just begging that his shadow would fall on them because, I mean, he just, God does amazing things through him. So they, thought they saw this as a great time to get the leaders together, political people in jail, and to end. And he thought it was a great idea to cast his vote for that. Voting has always been a topic that divides people. Whether you're in the church or you're out. Politics is a unique thing. What are they going to do with our taxes? Let's take the money and let's, let's, let's help the other countries. No, 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 they can take care of themselves. Let's take the money and, and let's help our own people get out. No, 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 they need to quit being lazy and get off the couch. Let's take the taxes and let, let's build a wall along the, Mexican, along the Mexican-American border. No, 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 how about we save the money and take our own military out of everybody else's country and put them along the border? Politics can be so divisive. Republican, Democrat, left wing, right wing, independents, this party and that party. And 
politics are a unique thing. We need to take the money and pay off the debt. No, no, no. We need to use the money and put it back into the economy and stimulate the growth. We need to help the little people. No, no. We need to help the business owners. There's probably only one thing that divides people more than religion and Jesus, and that's politics. Years ago, according to uh, professors from the University of Chicago, <coughs> years ago in the election of 1928, it was known as the pineapple election. Strange. They, like typical election times, they tried to sabotage each other's character and they, they put each other down and they were trashing each other. And, but when that didn't work, then they then they would try to bully people. When that didn't work, they would drive to retirement centers and they would uh, make it look like a nice thing and they would, they would get the retired people in the buses and they'd bring them to the election center and, and they'd pressure them into voting for their person. When it didn't work, then they'd say, well, you, you've got to, you know, find, if you can walk, you need to find your way back to the retirement center. And... Uh, <laughs> when, the, when that didn't work, they also had these papers. They would see all the people in their area who, you know, were on the, uh, the roll Apple election is because it was their soft way of uh, advertising. In the, in the, it was around the nation. Everybody heard about it, knew about it. It was all over the papers, and Chicago is one of the bigger cities, and still is one of the bigger cities in America. <laughs> they called it the pineapple election because if you've ever noticed, have you ever seen a hand grenade? A hand grenade kind of looks like a pineapple in a sense. And that's why they gave it that nickname. Because in addition to the normal trashing each other's character, they were shooting, they were stabbing, and they were actually throwing hand grenades at the enemies. And if that's not enough, they set off 62. They set off 62 bombs in and around that city that year. People died. The senator, the state's attorney general, 62 bombs they set off because they, they were willing to die. They were so passionate about what they believed in politically. What an election. <coughs> People willing to kill each other just so they could vote Republican or Democratic. And people today will say, oh man, isn't it nice we're in America and, and things are in a, such an amazing place now. And yet you can read in various places, some of the silly stuff that still goes on. Sally, Susie Sally, <coughs> uh, CBS News reported that Susie Sally voted, which normally sounds like a good thing. We want people to vote. <coughs> but Susie Sally voted 12 years after she passed away. Victor Croswell voted six times after he died. Or Floyd Stevens, he voted 11 times since his death in 1993. CBS News, they asked her, and she said, it's crazy. I don't see how people are able to do such a thing like this and get away with it. This is America. What's going on? And we know with great clarity, it's not the message today, but you can read in the Scriptures, if you read with discerning eyes, <coughs> the Scriptures are really clear. When someone dies, your brain stops. Dead people aren't voting. Contrary to some of those unique television shows that are out there, when someone dies, they're dead. They're not voting. 
people are cheating and doing strange, strange things. Democrats and Republicans, it seems like every election they get more divided and agree on less. One thing that they do agree on is that the list of voters is actually quite a mess. It's quite a mess. Do you realize that around approximately 1.8 million dead people are still registered to vote? And that's after they, in the last five, ten years, they took 60,000 dead people off their registration to vote. We still have around 2 million registered dead people who supposedly have the ability to vote. <coughs> 24 million, 24 million registered voters are invalid or inaccurately registered. 3 million people are registered in more than one state. So those people who are really into voting and really want their person to win, man, they, they, they can make that happen in more than one way. A quarter of the, a quarter of the eligible people to vote <coughs> in the United States haven't even registered, ever. If you do the math, that's approximately 60 million people. Approximately 60 million people who could vote in America, according to the Pew Center, haven't even registered to vote. Talk about a swing vote. 60 million people haven't even registered to vote. The United States presidency, the, the election is in 11 days. You realize that? 11 days we get to vote. 11 days. It's going to make a big, big, big difference. Are you planning to vote? Recently, I was in a meeting. I know as I'm looking out here, some of you have already voted, and thank you for that. <laughs> I was in a meeting not too long ago, and a, a leader who will go unnamed, but a leader from another, not this church, but another area, I was in a Zoom meeting along with some other colleagues and one of these leaders encouraged all of us to not vote. I'm <laughs> like, oh my word, what's this world coming to? He encouraged us to not vote. And you realize during the, the midterm elections, many times less than 20% of America votes. During presidential election, usually about half the people vote at best. Half of the eligible people vote. For the country that prides itself in freedom and voting and democracy, and we, we hurt our arms in, in an attempt to pat ourselves in the back. It seems like for years, the majority of Americans really don't care about it. They haven't been that involved in voting. People from other countries, some of them actually put their life on the line to be able to go vote where we pride ourselves for being big on democracy and voting and encouraging and trying to go into other countries and tell them how to run their country. And they, we encourage, you should try to get your, you know, citizens to vote like we do in America. And, and yet, according to Harvard professor, Dr. Patterson, in, in his book, out of the 172 countries that vote, we rank 139. There's only about 33 countries that are worse at voter turnout than we are. God bless America, huh? We think we need our people, our politicians, our businessmen, and our military to run around the world telling everybody else how to run their country. We think we're, we're self-elected at running the world. 
And yet in this area, we're failing quite miserably. Quite miserably. <coughs> Acts chapter 26. <coughs> Acts 26, verse 9 to 19. Back in, in Paul's uh, situation here, he says, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hospital to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And so this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority <coughs> from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them as often as possible in the synagogues, and I tried to force them to blaspheme God's name. Being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to the foreign cities. So while engaged, I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And at midday, O King Agrippa, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and all those who were with me. In verse 14, when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I, I said, Lord, who are you? Talk about ironic, being one of the top church leaders in the entire remnant. And he's saying, I don't know who you are, and it happens to be God. What a day. Verse 15, he says, well, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which have been seen, but also to the things which will appear to you. I'll rescue you from the Jewish people and from the Gentile people whom I am sending you to, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the domain of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. <coughs> People were being put in jail and dying. And Paul voted for it. He voted for it. Voting is a powerful, powerful thing. It always has been and always will be. It's a political word, just meaning choice. Choice is power. When Paul made the choice, when Paul voted one way, his one vote, just himself, one person, one vote, men, women, and children died. Because one really motivated church people, one really motivated church person really wanted to make his one vote count, and people died. He was so confused, he thought he was doing God a favor. And then after he got converted and actually met Jesus and knew what that meant, and, and, and just a little side note, people today have heard the name of Jesus. That doesn't mean you've been converted either. People say, wow, he was a Messiah and it was new. No, 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 no. That's a cop-out. Mary Magdalene had no problem discovering this was Jesus. There are people sitting in churches around the world that still need to stumble upon Jesus like Paul finally did. And when he did, it was different. 
Same one person, same one choice, one vote. Instead of having people die, now people are having the ability to overcome bad habits. And when Jesus returns the second time to bring all of us to heaven who like him, people will have that privilege because Paul changed his vote. He changed his vote. Choice. Voting has always been a powerful thing. <clears throat> those who are, I don't know the exact age, but those who are a little older can remember the presidential election between uh, uh, Bush and Al Gore back in the year 2000. I, I hear this. I'm, I'm sure you hear it sometimes. Oh, one vote doesn't matter. <clears throat> There's millions. It was it 255, 260 million people are eligible to vote in America. My vote doesn't matter. Do you remember Florida? One vote. One vote. You could choose who's president. Those hanging chads and all that. Who won the election? One vote for president. You know what one vote for president did back then? It opened the door because when you vote for who your president was, your president on your behalf chose who the vice president was. At least in that election, that person chose the Fed chairman. That person had the privilege to choose two Supreme Court judges who get to be there until they retire. They get to choose if you go to war or not. They get to choose when the military goes over to Iraq or stays there and some of the people die over there. They get to choose taxes go up or down and what to do with the taxes. They get to choose what to do with the military. Choosing Bush got to choose how we're going to respond as a country to Katrina, to 9-11, to terrorism, to wiretapping, surveillance how much pressure we can put on our own citizens as well as non-citizens, equality, freedom, and so, so, so much more. One vote. Our president and the other elected officials have a lot of power. And it all starts by people like you and me with one simple basic vote. We've always had power. Not just the elected officials, but even people like you and me. Years ago, there was one person, one person, not hardly known by anybody, and the few people that did know this person, people didn't actually like the person too much. <coughs> it was a monk. His name was Martin Luther. Today, people would say he has OCD. He troubled the priests. He concerned them. He kept them up day after day, literally, confessing one problem after another because he hadn't stumbled upon Jesus. He thought he could solve himself. But one day, this one monk with one vote, as he's crawling up the stairs of a fancy church trying to punish himself, hoping it would impress God so he'd feel better about himself. This confused church, he he was a part of this confused church, thought that God hates everybody and that you've got to continually, ongoing, do things to impress God so he likes you just at least a little bit so you don't burn in purgatory forever, which isn't true. And one day as he's literally crawling up these steps of this fancy church trying to impress God, he remembered, he remembered in a rare moment of his clarity in, in Romans 1, 16 and 17, he remembered, ah, the Bible. If I quiet my mind and actually listen to God, it, it actually helps a little bit. And he had a moment where he had a little qu 
quietness and clarity. You remembered in Romans 1, 16, 17, it teaches that a person is, is saved by the generosity of God alone. One person, one vote. That you're saved by faith in God alone. That one person, that one vote, standing for it and just sharing what his vote was, caused a ripple around the world politically and financially. It was huge. It happened by one monk. It was a big thing that we're still dealing with today, the Protestant movement. Years ago, one person had one vote. She was a woman. She was tired. She had a long day. She worked hard. Her name's Rosa Parks. With her one vote, as she left work and she got onto the bus, she thought, man, I'm tired today. I don't want to walk all the way to the back of the bus. Man, my feet hurt. I'm tired. I'm going to sit right here. One person, one vote. Now, people in America, you can sit anywhere you like to because one person had one vote. Years ago, one person, he was just one minister. He was standing in Washington, D.C. with about a quarter of a million other people. And with his one vote, he wanted to encourage people. His name is Martin Luther King, Jr. He said, you know, I have a dream. My dream is that one day our faith will be able to create hope in this country. And with this faith, we'll be able to transform the discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With the same faith, we'll be able to work together, pray together, struggle together, if necessary, go to jail together, stand up for freedom together, knowing that one day, one day, we will actually be free. His vote is still rippling through this country today, slowly making changes. All these people had was a belief. It wasn't easy, but they voted for what they believed in. They voted for what they believed in. The Old Testament puts it this way, Joshua. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, 15, and 16. It's kind of a semi-popular verse that some of you might recognize. Joshua 24, verse 14 to 16. Joshua writes, Now therefore respect the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves today who else you'll serve, whether it's the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, Well, far be it from us that we would forsake the Lord and serve any other gods. Years ago, there was an angel in heaven. He wanted to run for a really high office. It wasn't president of America, leader of the free world. It was God. He wanted to run for the office of God, leader of the universe. Satan's little slogan was quite simple. I'm a lot of fun. You can do anything you'd like. There's no rules. I'm extremely forgiving. My, my, my standards are so low, I have none. I have no boundaries. You can do anything you like to anybody you like. 
it's going to be quite a riot. And because you can do anything you like, that makes me a better candidate than God. So elect me for God of the universe. The first election as it began years ago, six, seven thousand-ish years ago, it started what we call the great controversy. A third of the angels voted for Satan. And we had the first broken relationship and the first broken promises of someone running for office. But Satan's really dynamic. He's got a lot of energy, and so he, that, you know, a couple of votes weren't enough in heaven, so he came to the earth, and he, he, he misled Adam and Eve, and he says, man, you know, I, I don't know who you think you're going to vote for, but that God, he's withholding some stuff. He's not an honest politician. And he's got these boundary things. He's withholding bad stuff from you. He's withholding sin from you. Now, if you vote for me, woo, this is going to be quite a ride. So Adam and Eve, they listened to the fake news and they voted for him and they had their first marital fight. But that wasn't enough either. So Satan kept looking for more votes and Satan found their son, one of their sons, Cain. And he said, man, this, this God stuff and your brother, I don't know, it's maybe in the modern context we compare it to taxes because, because God had this plan where he wanted some stuff and, and God wanted to deal with it in a way that that Cain didn't like. And we're kind of like that. You know, people want to touch our money and it's called taxes and we don't like where they spend it and so we get offended. To really push a hot button, we could talk about, you know, how many people around the world that go to church pay tithes and offerings. The average is between 25 and 30%. Imagine if 25, 30% of people pay taxes, what the governments would do to their citizens. And yet, I haven't looked at the books here, so you don't have to get nervous about this new pastor. And what would he know? I've never looked at the books here, so I don't know who's paying and who isn't. I'm just saying on average, that's typically the standard 25 to 30% pay. And yet God still gives us jobs. We all, most all of us still have a job. We still have our paychecks, almost all of us. Kids are still able to go to school and we're living and, and, and life's not as horrible as the media makes it sound. When this happened with Cain, he said, man, I don't know. I think I, I've been listening to this other politician. I've been listening to this Satan guy. I, I, I kind of like what he's saying. I don't like what God's wanting to do with, 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 with what's mine because we all know as Americans, man, this is mine. It's not God who created us. God didn't give us our oxygen. I, I, I work hard constantly every minute to make sure I keep breathing because we all think about that, right? That's our responsibility. My job is mine. My money is mine. And Cain thought that. And he got confused, and so he voted against God because he thought God was wanting to take his stuff and, and make things go in a bad direction for him. This has been going on for six, 7,000 years. And I wonder, it's possible, according to a Harvard University professor, <coughs> Dr. Patterson, According to him, there's about four reasons why, why people don't vote and or they have a hard time knowing what or who to vote for. And I wonder, listen to these things, <coughs> I wonder if at least in, in, in general, if it's similar to some things with, with spirituality. 
because according to him, uh, the, the, the top four reasons why people either don't vote or have a hard time figuring out who to vote for or what to vote for is that the main reason is people themselves, people they themselves don't know what they themselves stand for. And if I don't know what I stand for, what I believe in, the two parties just kind of, I don't know the difference between them if I don't know what I stand for. It gets messy. And of course, then people don't recognize what's at stake, and then people don't know the issues. But it kind of stems from if people themselves don't know what they stand for. Joshua, in chapter 24 of his book, verse 14, <coughs> he writes, Now therefore respect the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Satan's vote was disastrous, but it was powerful. This universe, we can go forward a billion years in Satan's vote will still be remembered. Adam and Eve's vote is powerful. It will still be remembered for a million years from now. According to Romans 8, nature is suffering because of their choice. Cain and Abel's choice made a difference. Rosa Parks' vote made a difference. Martin Luther's voice and his choice and his vote made a difference. The Lord Jesus at the cross his vote made a difference. And your vote makes a difference. I hope that none of us sitting here or watching are still confused, at least spiritually, about who to vote for. In many, many places, like John 3.16, says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes would not perish but have eternal life. You see, the two groups are very different, at least spiritually. With God, God sacrifices to help us. With Satan, he sacrifices us to help himself. The words are similar, but how they get lived out and played out are worlds apart. And your vote makes a difference spiritually. Your vote also makes a big difference politically. Your one vote for president and governor and senator and all these things. You get one vote, but once you vote for that person on your behalf, they start making lots and lots of choices. They will choose who your vice president is. They'll choose who's in charge of the military and the Department of Defense and the secretary. They'll choose who gets to sit in the court for years and years to come. They get to choose if we spend money in human lives going to war. They choose if taxes go up or down and where to spend the taxes and or waste them. They choose how we respond to hurting people. They choose how we respond to broken people. They choose how we respond to wealthy people. They choose how we respond to religious people. They choose how we respond to tragedies and immigrants and terrorism and freedom and surveillance and interrogation and religious freedom. And in case you have not forgotten, it wasn't that many years ago 
It wasn't that many years ago there were confused church people down south that thought it was a great idea to vote for slavery. And in case you haven't remembered, there were people that thought it was a great idea to withhold the privilege of voting from women. One that many years ago. As we close, just to be clear, in the future, there will be politicians that get elected. There will be citizens that are registered to vote in the USA and people around the world that will vote to take away your freedom to worship Jesus the way you want. And there will be people who will vote to take away your privilege to do it on Saturday. Am I still here? <laughs> and they'll be so confused, they'll think they're doing God a favor with a simple vote. God doesn't give all people all things, but we have a vote. Your one vote chooses who is going to then start the chain events to be making lots of other choices on your behalf. So I pray that you pray and you choose wisely. Mainly Jesus. But in addition to choosing Jesus in this country, we also get a vote. So I hope you choose wisely come election day. November 3rd. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, he writes, Therefore respect the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods of your fathers that they'd served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would continue to lead and guide us as a nation, as a, as a earth as a state and as a church, as individuals, as families. We need your leading. We need your guiding. At the end of the day, whoever gets elected in all these different offices, help us to be respectful. <coughs> we can't control all these things, but we can control what we say on Facebook. We can control what we say when we talk with people so that most of all, we're not... It's good. I'm happy to be here, and I'm sure everyone's happy to be American. That's why we live here. But help us to remember as Christians, our main role isn't to bleed Democrat or Republican, but we're supposed to be bleeding Jesus Christ. You're our main leader. Our main country is heaven, is not here. Help us to keep these things in mind as things heat up and people get uncomfortable and and, and some people go sideways during the election or afterward. Help us. Be in us, Jesus. So that through us, you can be a calm Christian witness during this election. For your glory, our privilege, and a Christian witness and reminder to the other people around us that some of them just might be looking for more 
than a Republican or a Democrat, but someone who can be trustworthy forever, and that is you, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen.